0: Chapter 24 of A Drop in Infinity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Drop in Infinity by Gerald Grogan. Chapter 24 The North Wall Gate was open as I came through, and before me, with a gasp of relief, I saw the chimney smoke curling above Limestone Hollow. I imagined at first that I had forestalled Quelch, if he meant further mischief, and I felt half-inclined to turn back to where I had left Irene in the forest. I changed my mind when I saw Bill running along the cart-track toward me. At first he seemed to be running in an aimless sort of way, as if he was merely playing one of his solitary games. But when he caught sight of me he paused, threw up his hands in a curious gesture of childish despair, "'and began to run again. "'Daddy, come quick!' he gasped. "'The beard could not disguise me from his eyes. "'What's the matter, Bill? Is your mother hurt?' "'He shook his head, and his lip trembled. "'Mike's stealing,' he repeated earnestly. "'And he's being rude. "'Mother told me to run away, and Mike called me a little devil "'and wouldn't let me go, but Mother said, "'Run, run, and I bit him, and he let me go.' ''Don't cry,'' I said sharply. ''Take this spear and go on up the brook to Lower Falls. You'll find Irene there with Adela. Adela's ill and mustn't be disturbed, but you can sit by the fire with Irene and frighten off the beasts till I come. I'm going to be rude to Quelch now, so scuttle off as fast as you can.'' If I don't come back soon and you begin to get hungry, lay branches over Adela as if she was a dead deer and walk as fast as you can to Upper Lake. There's a new man in the house there and you must tell him exactly what's happened, everything. Can you do all that?" Bill thought he could, so I left him also, both my kids alone in the forest, and skirted swiftly along the base of the cliff. I cast loose my arrows and loosened the machete in its sheath before I began to climb the ravine. Light-footed as a stalking wild cat, I crossed the intervening space to pause in astonishment within two yards of the bolted door. The wattled walls of our house were by no means soundproof, and I could hear every word uttered within. "'What's the use of arguing?' said the voice of Marjorie. Her quiet drawl was as unemotional... "'as if she were giving orders about the planting of the orchard. "'I'm not going to give them up, and I'm not going with you, "'whatever may have happened to my husband.' "'Very well, then,' said Quelch viciously. "'And I half leaped forward, for Marjorie had screamed shrilly. "'Don't move now,' rasped Quelch, "'and as if the order were directed at myself, I mechanically paused. "'No,' gasped Marjorie, it was queer to him, Marjorie, under stress of strong emotion, when I felt so supernaturally calm. I'll come then, but not that. I heard Quelch fall back, and whatever the danger had been, I knew it was now in temporary abeyance. I dropped quietly on my stomach and crawled closer. "'It's what you said yourself,' laughed Quelch. "'No laws here but what we make to please ourselves.' I had to pretend to marry that Adela Watkins to suit your silly ideas. Now you tow the line to suit mine. Do you see? Marjorie was silent for a minute. I see, she said presently. Everything you have you owe to Jack Thorpe, but you don't suppose I'd be stupid enough to count on that, do you? I do not. If you'd played fair, and we'd sociable-like, with each of us free to do as he or she pleased, same as it ought to be, I'd maybe have acted different, but no. You tried to come the bloody aristocrat over me, so you can just take a dose of your own medicine. I'm bossier now. Marjorie laughed, and I shook with pride, for this is what she said. I don't see why I should not repeat it, because it brought one or two things sharply home to me, and I am an old man, and, well, I think it's worth recording. Quelch, she said. Before I came to this country, I had an income of my own of £10,000 a year, besides my face, which more men than Jack Thorpe and yourself have thought attractive. Do you know what £10,000 a year means in England? This friend of ours, the Hubble Bubble Man, took all that away from me, and he gave me Jack Thorpe instead. I'd known Jack since I was a baby, but I'd never taken him seriously. Instead of all the comfortable things I had grown accustomed to, she continued, I had to live in a miserable, draughty hut with a mud floor and eat the roughest kind of food. I had to wear the skins of animals for clothes. And I had to help Jack to do work that is left to the cheapest kind of labour in England, work that would make an English labourer feel pretty hardly used if he had to do it with the tools we had. Thought made you do that, interjected Quelch in a shocked voice. Marjorie laughed again. (laughs) Made me? she murmured. She appeared to be speaking half to herself and half to him. I've seen him rub salt into the sores on his hands when he thought I wasn't looking, and then come to me with a string of lies about how little there was to do, and wouldn't I just sit on a log and talk to him whilst he did the work? This was a gross exaggeration, but it was good of her. I've seen him promise faithfully that he'd wake me up when my turn came to keep watch. "'I am well aware that any fellow would do the same, "'but I am giving Marjorie's point of view, remember, "'and then sit up all night himself. "'He's a deceitful little beast, Jack Thorpe.' "'Was, you mean?' grunted Quelch. "'I tell you, he's dead. I've seen his body. "'You'll see it again in a minute, Mr. Quelch,' I thought. "'I believe you're lying,' said Marjorie cheerfully. "'You told me he was dead before, and then the Hubble-bubble.' The you?' screeched Quelch. The Hubble Bubble, the madman. He came back here a few nights before Jack's return, and I spoke to him. Why didn't you tell me? Wailed Quelch. Well, anyhow, that's another count in the score I've to settle. What did he say? He said, continued Marjorie, that Mr Thorpe was with him, but he would not let me know his plans. He said he had left it open to Jack whether he returned or not. He said that if I liked, I might go back to the old world but that to do so I must give up Jack. He would insist on his returning here with with another woman in such a case. All he asked was that I should promise not to tell people who I really was, and that I should live in South America on money he was to provide. Of course, I'd have had to do that in any case on account of the baby, and he promised me that I should have more money than I had lost on account of their thinking me dead. The other choice was to live here and see what Jack was going to do about it. Jack had five thousand he could collect any day in London, but I think the Hubble Bubble knew his man. I think he was just playing with us both. He does play with people. What? cried Quelch. You'd sooner have stayed here among them wild beasts and all that. I don't believe you. Well, don't, retorted Marjorie, and there was a pause. Well, said Quelch, you're a un, I am, said Marjorie. I'm just mentioning all this in the rather vain hope that you will stop insulting me by saying that what you offer is as good as the other. You come whining that you love me, and then you whine again because you missed a chance to leave the place when the Hubble Bubble was here. I don't believe he was here at all, said Quelch. Why do you keep it dark all this time, if you're telling the truth now? He made me promise to tell nobody, not even Jack. "'I'm breaking that promise now, but perhaps it's better you should know the truth of the matter. "'Then you can't grumble later at what's probably going to happen to you. "'I'm going with you now to save my children, but you'd far better count the cost. "'I'm only making you marry me as you made me marry Adela. "'That's all it comes to, my girl,' said Quelch, but his voice shook uneasily. Marjorie snorted. "'I'm not going to argue with you,' she said. "'If you've no sense of your own responsibility toward anybody or anything else, "'it's no good my trying to teach you. "'You had the whole world to choose from, and you chose to live here. "'We came here first, and we have our own laws, "'which I consider very just ones. "'You're a pitiful sneak, Michael Quelch, "'if you can't even be honest with yourself. "'Where do you wish to go?' "'We're going to that island of yours first, said Quelch. "'The raft's provisioned and all.' so you may as well get a move on. And who will look after the children until Adela returns? They'll have to look out for themselves, said Quelch. You can bolt the door and they won't come to any harm. I won't do it. Yes, you will. I'm making the laws now, and the law says that she who disobeys her husband's orders gets her blooming little baby's throats cut. See? I at last grasped the reasons behind this strange docility on the part of Marjorie and I could hear her breaking down. It was very difficult to have to listen to her crying before a man like Quelch and to do nothing. Anticipating his appearance in the doorway, I rose to a crouching position and drew my knife. I heard her take the child from him and tuck her up in her cot. It was Wilhelmina he had hold of, and I moved softly a step nearer. Quelch was, to all intents and purposes, a dead man and then I had to lose the chance of a lifetime by stepping on a twig. Quelch gave a startled cry as the sound reached his ears. His nerves must have been very much on the stretch, and there fell an alert silence on both sides. I stood stock still for a moment, until I remembered that he could easily see me by peering through any of the numerous cracks in the wall, on which realisation prompt action became the order of the day and I cast myself savagely against the bolted door. It stood my first attempt. Quelch howled like a dog, and I heard the clash of a warded blow, followed a scream as I burst through the remains of the door and inner wall, just in time to see him dive outwards through the latch on the other side. He was swinging a machete, but Marjorie stood unharmed in front of the cot, which contained Jack and Wilhelmina. I noticed she had a stick in her hand, did not pause to ask questions. I was just in the act of following Quelch when she hauled me kicking backwards from the hole. "'Go round!' she shouted as usual, the more self-possessed of the pair in this emergency. Unfortunately, Quelch heard the cry as well, and abandoning his fine strategic position, where he could have sliced my head off with the greatest ease as I came sprawling out, he shot forth toward the ravine as I doubled back through the door. The ravine takes a turn just above the ledge, and when I reached this point, Quelch was already out of sight. I scrambled up to the top, however, and got three shots at him, the last of which pinned him in the left arm. Pursuit was out of the question, considering my debilitated state after the long journey and improper feeding, so I turned back, cursing, to break the news to Marjorie. End of chapter 24 Read by Tim Rowe in London 2023.